0: Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the RevOps Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Jordan Henderson, and I'm joined today by Brandon and Jonathan, as usual. Go ahead and say hi guys. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey, hey. Nice. I
1: said that I like-, like I expected them to reply, actually. <laughs> you really you, you did. You,
0: you left like a little pause. I also always I always say say hi guys. As in, like, hey, guys, say hi to you. And then one of you always says, hi, guys. You <laughs> like, just, just, just totally parrot what I've told you to say. So I appreciate that you let me drive the conversation to that degree. Um, cool. Awesome. Well, I'm excited about today. Uh, so so uh, we've got a continuing episode of RevOps 201 series, which is super, super exciting. And today we're going to talk about probably, like, the most easy fundamental like low-hanging yeah we probably should have talked about this first thing we've we've done sdr metrics and alignment we've done cs metrics and alignment and we haven't done ae metrics and alignment which feels a bit off but totally fine we started where we started deal with it everybody else (laughs) um but but obviously like pretty fundamental aligning your 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 closers to the rest of your re- revenue operation, right? Like, sort of, sort of like one of the the key places where revenue operations uh, specifically starts. And so, I've got a couple metrics today that I think are super important. Maybe a couple that'll catch people off guard, and they'll be like, hmm, I don't know why he's looking at that as a sales metric. We'll find out. Let's get weird. Let's get weird about it today. All right, <laughs> like let's no, just weird. have some fun. Weird. Yeah, let's let's get let's get Jonathan level you know fish tank reef tank camera <laughs> lens <laughs> weird about today's episode. Um, so I want to start with a a metric that that probably isn't typically assumed as a sales metric, and like what we're gonna do is our typical thing. We're gonna look at some sales, what I would call sales diagnostic metrics, things that are telling me about the health of my sales team specifically as it relates to the rest of my revenue operation, and they're helping me diagnose problems that I can dive into, other things, places I can solve things, actual problems that exist within my entire revenue operation. So the first metric I want to talk about is fun to say as an acronym, not as a word, ARPU. Does anybody anybody want to talk about arpu who wants Who wants to define some arpu for me Wait, i thought we were talking about arpa nope we're gonna yeah, talk about arpu we'll I, I changed it up on you and i have oh, reasons okay. why we All can right. talk about that but we're talking about arpu by the way is, I, you guys read the thing that i sent you for the first time ever yeah, so thanks finally for prepared thanks, thanks for bringing that work <laughs> <laughs> All right, who, who wants to define arpu
2: i want to go back to arpa because that's the one i researched <laughs> well,
0: I mean, I, I'm
1: familiar with our. I mean, ever average revenue per user. I I feel like generally that's more of a B two C or maybe a lower ACV uh, metric that you look at. Um, probably more companies that we are talking to or that we're selling to are looking at average revenue per account. Yeah. I would assume.
0: There's there's a there's a reason I don't like revenue per account though. Just so you know, which which is it. There's really easy ways for businesses to fix a bad ARPA by saying, "Great, we're just going to sell to enterprises with tons of headcount and tons of like money, right?" <laughs> like, we're, we're we're just going to like not sell small deals anymore because average revenue per account is obviously drastically skewed when you sell that, you know, tiny deal to a tiny customer. But that's still a deal, it's still a customer, and so and that, and that's typically how cust- like companies think of like, "Oh, let's fix ARPA by not Like we'll just sell bigger deals, like only bigger deals. We'll just cut out the bottom of it, and like cool, like cool. So you actually have less revenue, but your ARPU is great. Good job, like wonderful for you. Good, good work. That's exactly what the goal was. Um, So I like ARPU because it, it actually sort of discounts that, right? Like you, you aren't looking at small deals as different to large deals. It's just users. So if a small deal has less users, it's it's average revenue per user. Um, which is why I changed it, by the way. That's why I changed it from ARPA to ARPU because
2: oh.
0: I, I hate I hate the way that companies typically think of solving that. And I also know that Jonathan's very passionate about like not solving problems by getting rid of revenue. So yes. he was gonna he was gonna have a <laughs> bit of a conniption about that. So I wanted to avoid a, a Jonathan Stevens meltdown on today. You're welcome, everybody. Uh, um, cool. I mean, that's a good that's a good definition. So I did, the way I would measure ARPU is you can measure it annually or, or monthly. You essentially take your ARR, your MRR of, of your customers and divide it by the total count of your users in those same customers, right? Um, and you can do this, by the way. A lot of companies like just look at ARPU as a top-down company-wide metric. But you can do it like quarter over quarter basis, so you could track like of the deals we've signed this quarter, of the new business deals we've signed this quarter, what's our ARPU? And this is a actually a really good leading indicator of some things that you might want to fix in re- your revenue organization, or some things you have fixed and things are going better, right? Like it's a good way to track your your current progress because all of that's going to play into your success as a business. It's a it's a leading indicator for your health of your business and a diagnostic metric, as opposed to ARPA, which just causes your Executive team to say, great, don't sell small deals. Um, <laughs> no SMB. So, no SMB. <laughs> um, so, any thoughts on this so far? Um. Brandon is slacking people right now. Just so you know. he, he has tuned out. He's annoyed that this has changed.
2: It's because you pivoted on us. If it I was know. RP, we'd be I can see, but was I can see slacking. his
0: eyes just like off to the side, just immediately slacking somebody, like probably talking <laughs> shit, but whatever.
2: Uh, Jordan's talking about RP. this Jordan guy. Man, I'll tell you
0: what. All right. So any thoughts so far?
2: No. I think you nailed it pretty good.
0: Okay. Cool. I appreciate that. Thanks for the vote of confidence, Jonathan. Um, (laughs) All right. So, so, my ARPU is bad. What do I do about it? Like, this is the question we want to do with all metrics, right? I'm looking at the metric to find out, like, hopefully I don't have to ask that question because I look at it and I'm like, hey, shit, my ARPU is great. Good job, everybody. High five. Keep doing what we're doing, right? Like, that's that's, that's the end goal for everybody. Typically not the result, though. Most of the time you're looking at metrics because things aren't great and you're trying to fix things. So, my ARPU is bad. What do I do? How do I fix that? Where do I start?
2: You have to. I think first off, you have to start to analyze why you aren't expanding into certain accounts, why they aren't sending up new users in your tool.
0: It's a a great question. Like um, first, I mean, gathering users is helpful. Like, what? Why aren't they expanding usage of your tool across those same users? Right. And so, I mean, the the first place I would start is, is actually my pricing. Um, like, if my yeah. ARPU is bad, yeah, maybe I'm just not go. charging enough money. Like, like, is my pricing model just totally screwed to how I'm acquiring customers? And, and that involves like, going to my deal desk and saying, What are the most common products we're, we're selling per user, right? And, and looking at that metric across the board. And here's the products that they actually are adding. Am I not structuring my deals in a way to do this, to actually increase my ARPU? Like, they're adding all these products. Are they the cheapest products? Is that, is that how I've you know hurt myself here? If that's true, super easy. Solve. Change your pricing. Fix your pricing. We did a whole episode on pricing. Brandon was really heavy in it. I apologize for pointing everybody to it, but go listen to it. It's actually pretty helpful. You're um, welcome. <laughs> but, <laughs> but first place I would start is pricing, and then Jonathan, to your point, is is great. So like, got a bunch of users. They're not paying us much for them. Like we're not getting a ton of like. Why aren't they adding things? Why aren't Why aren't they adding other features and products that are going to cost more money to help us, you know, increase that? Revenue per unit, right? It's a great place Mm -hmm. to start. Well, going off of that,
1: like look uh, at—I think you can also look at how much you're discounting, right? Because like you're 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 building your models off of most likely full price, right? Um, And then you know, kind of rule of thumb is you don't want to be discounting more than twenty percent, and hopefully you're you're building increases for every uh, you know additional contract that you sign with them. So maybe it's. Maybe it's a standard 4% increase. Maybe maybe you can inch it up to 6%, maybe 8%. Um, but just make sure your reps aren't just like straight up discounting. Yeah. I, I, I will tell you, there, there was a period where uh, I was evaluating a bunch of different software. Um, the vendors, I didn't even ask them. They gave me the price and they're like, but we'll give you a 20% discount. It's like, dude, I, like, okay, you just, you sweet, just sweet. flushed money down the toilet there, but I appreciate that. Just, they, tanked, even just
0: tanked your ARPU. Like immediately. Just tanked right? it, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. It's like but no uh, but it's it's horrifying. It's also by the way one of the, the early things I do, implement a deal desk. Like you have exactly, to have a deal yeah. desk even if it's not a person, but you have to have a deal desk that's watching this and going like, "Oh my god, this person this company is only going to be paying us $30 per user." Like, no, that's unacceptable. Like that's not a deal we can sign off on. That's that's not okay, right? Somebody has to be checking this and, and fixing your pricing as well. love that. Discounting, hugely important. Great point, mm-hmm. Brandon. 2 points, Brandon. Jonathan you're only at 1. Oh, Just, here comes <laughs> another. Here comes another.
2: Uh, <laughs> here comes another. How buggy is your product? Are your are they not expanding because they're experiencing a lot of bugs, a lot of outages? That could be something you could look into as that's,
0: well. That's that's a that's a great point. And and two then to two. So, so like <laughs> <laughs> I feel I'm, I'm, I have no regrets that I just started this. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, so 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 that, that'd be like the first place I would look, right? And that's, that's actually, I know people are going to be like, well, well, you're like not really doing revenue operations there. Hell yes, you are. You're aligning it to your total, you're like business operation, right? Like I'm aligning my pricing model and my deal desk back to my sales team to make sure what my sales team is doing actually aligns to my top line business goals, which is revenue operations. Um, but, the next thing I do, so say that's all done, right? I've got my pricing all buttoned up. I know my discount limits are great. I've got a deal desk check and everything. I feel real confident that I'm not signing any bad deals. And I've got my product team working overtime. I doubled my headcount over there. We're fixing the crap out of that problem. That's all great. My ARPU is still not fixed. Product training and enablement. Because what's happening, what's frequently mm-hmm. happened is almost certainly... You're not pushing the other products in the deal cycle. You're you're selling one or two core products that people feel comfortable selling, that marketing feels comfortable marketing, and other things are falling to the wayside. And You're not increasing ARPU by not adding those other things in, and you're not training and enabling your sales and marketing team to push those things which are going to be easy ways to increase arpu. There's the easiest way to increase arpu for anybody listening that has multiple products is sell multiple products to the same users, right? Like that that's that's the sort of name of the game here. But if your sellers aren't enabled to do that, it's not, it's not going to work. And so product training and enablement around additional product offerings and product lines super super important for arpu. Then, targeting. Because a lot of times when you go look at arpu, and you go look at it and say, great, ours is bad, except for in this one customer segment. Like, everybody we sell to in the finance segment, we have great ARPU because they love these four products, whereas everybody else loves two. Okay, marketing, we, we got to go after finance people, right? Like, they have the highest return on investment for us because the ARPU is through the roof, which is a really easy way to change your ICP. Like, this should absolutely play into your ICP. If you know specific segments, specific verticals, specific customers have a higher propensity for buying multiple products... That absolutely needs to be factored into all of your targeting, and is information that you're going to get from past sales in well sales into deal desk that you should feed back to your marketing team. That's yep, like that's five, five points. I'm just like LeBron yeah. Jamesing you guys right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> yeah,
1: that's just right. he mutes us and then he goes on. <laughs> he, goes
0: on he steals all of our notes. <laughs> uh, what, what else? What else am I missing?
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think what we said so far is nailed it. I'm I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um
0: we'll we'll insert the Jeopardy theme song in right there. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, All right. you hit on that. Cool. I mean, I I think ARPU is, is, like I said, I think a lot of people think of it as just like a finance metric, but I actually think it's a really important thing for your entire revenue operation to track. So it's a thing that if you're not looking at, you should be. And uh, if you have questions about it, message me and I will argue about why ARPA is a terrible metric. Is all you want. (laughs) Um, It's a vanity metric. It's a vanity metric. That's all I'm going to say. Whatever. That enablement
2: Uh, point is so big too, because no matter where you are, you'll see green reps who just have no idea what all products the company offers and they can't speak to it. They don't understand it. it. It's ugly. So the better you can enable your reps out of the gate, the more yeah. success you're gonna have. And
0: and continued enablement, right? Because what what is what is the rule? Like the Ebbinghaus curve. Brandon Brandon will know what it is. I'm sure. Um, you you forget like ninety percent of anything you learn within like. Thirty days, a month, something yeah, like that. Yeah, eighty six in a month. Eight, yeah, exactly. Yeah, see, I, I knew you would know this, but <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was close. Actually, I'm pretty proud yeah, yeah, of that. Not too yeah, yeah that's pretty good. All right, um, but but like, yeah, you. So it's it's not just like yeah, new reps, of course, but like your old reps too. Like they've forgotten it. Of course, they've mm-hmm. forgotten it. Everybody forgets everything. Where we are, if it's not top of mind, it's out of mind. Is mm-hmm. is the reality, right? Um, which is a very poor way of describing the Egging house curve. Thanks, Brandon, for filling that in for me. Um, <laughs> I read it in a book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> In, In, a book. In a book. <laughs> that's me. W h i t e. Some one listener is gonna get that dodgeball reference. Yeah, like, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> if you haven't watched dodgeball, go watch it. You'll get the reference. Thank you. Um, hmm. All right, we're having a weird day. It's cool. It's cool. It's <laughs> uh, mostly me. I'm aware. All right. So, so I'm gonna dive into the the next metric, um, and this is maybe. Uh, it's a metric, but it's like a, a bit of a broader version of looking at a metric. And I know Jonathan's going to be super passionate about this one. So I'm actually pretty excited. Pipeline slippage, mm. which which is a very fun, <laughs> fun metric and has a weird noise. Don't ever do that again. Uh, <laughs> but all right. So pipeline slippage. Um, pipeline slippage slippage in general is changing in close dates. I'm going to fill this one in for you guys cuz you're not going to get it right. Oh, I'm going to. Slippage get it. is changing in close dates. It's typically seen, by the way, as changing it to later in time. So what what why t- people typically think of pipeline slippage is like this deal was projected to close this quarter and then the rep goes in, changes the close date to, you know, the next quarter, it's pushed. And that's true. That's probably the most common version of slippage. But when you're looking at pipeline slippage it's actually also very important to look at slippage forward because there is a lot of stuff where reps will say great like this deal is for this quarter and they'll say that in month 1 and then they close it that month and it has <laughs> slipped 2 months forward somehow and that's that's valuable information too like that's not that common i hope it's more common for you <laughs> yeah, but exactly. it's it's still slippage right it slips one way problem. it's a, it's it's a high class problem for sure <laughs> um, but It's important for a lot of reasons. Um, and, And pipeline slippage in general, like, why does it matter, right? It's actually, this is the thing that I think people forget. People measure loss rates, right? Like, there's how much pipeline we lost this quarter. Cool, super helpful. By the way, slippage is typically a bigger percentage of your pipeline than closed loss. Like it, it just typically is. And so what you're looking at, if you're looking at closed one and closed loss and you're not looking at slippage, you're looking at a very small percentage of your overall pipeline to find out what's going right and what's going wrong. And the bigger piece of your pipeline and why it's moving around is just not being analyzed at all. Hugely problematic, right? Um, so, so asking why you lose deals is one piece of the puzzle. Identifying why you win deals is one piece of the puzzle. But sometimes the biggest piece of the puzzle is why are deals slipping? Why are, we, why are they pushing and you're not asking that question. So that's why it's important. You need to know that the answer to that question. Especially if you have a messy pipeline, because deals will just slip forever and they're basically lost. But you'll be missing those. So, what am I missing before we move into the the the, the logical next question? What what about pipeline slippage? Am I missing?
2: I think you got it.
0: No, not gonna argue or. there. Uh, I'm not gonna <laughs> say mean, I'm a pipeline <laughs> slippage expert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sick. I wish you were. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, bring, <laughs> I'm gonna bring a pipeline <laughs> slippage expert on to the next episode um, as soon as we find one. So, um, so though pipeline slippage in general, super important thing to look at, and and. Uh, can, can be very indicative of, of your business health and like things you need to improve on, right? It's a great diagnostic metric, and it's a great way to like r- improve your entire revenue operation. So, so I'm the head of RevOps. I'm looking at my pipeline quarter over quarter, and I'm like, oh, my God. I got 60% of my pipeline slippage, delayed slippage, right? Like none of it's good. Nothing's moving forward. We've got delayed slippage quarter over quarter happening like crazy. What the heck am I going to do first?
2: Usually when I'm on the other end of that and I'm slipping on someone else, it's usually – A lot to do with the sales process and them just not being buttoned up on their end to a point where I can easily come in and sell this internally and get it across the finish line. So I think that's why you see a lot of discounts and things like that happening at quarter's end because Mm. there's a lot of pipeline that needs to get accounted for that if they get a little discount in, they won't screw up their slippage and their pipeline forecasting
0: man i love that you've put yourself into the buyer's shoes to talk about this <laughs> actually so so say more about that like you're the buyer mm-hmm. and and they're and they're like "Jonathan we need to get this deal done end of october it's it's october 19th today
2: mm-hmm. and
0: you're like yeah maybe in <laughs> november <better." laughs> you know you, yeah. um, why it, what's the experience what are you, what, what's the experience
2: You better have your sales process buttoned up. I better know exactly what I'm getting, exactly what I'm paying for, exactly what I'm not getting. If that's all unclear, then I've got to spend extra time figuring that out. And that's extra time that's going to potentially cause slippage. So I think that's the biggest driver is just not having it buttoned up as far as providing the prospect with resources that they're going to be better educated about what they're getting. And Mm. then also training, understanding how long it's going to take to stand up the tool and and train on the tool, that's gonna to be a big piece of the puzzle as far as when you decide you're gonna stand it up, because you're gonna to need to allocate resources to be able to stand a tool up. So you're gonna to have to be really aligned with your timeline and the sales timeline.
1: It's it's helping your prospect build a business case for your solution, mm-hmm. right? Like anytime I go to my CMO and say, I want this, this piece of software. I have to outline exactly why I want it, what's the return that I'm going to get, how quickly I can see that return, the price, uh, the contract, like all of that stuff. Like I, I'm, I, and I want to work with uh, the, the, the uh, vendor to help me mm. actually put something accurate together. Because if, if he's actually telling me something that is very inaccurate, I sell it to my CEO or CMO um, and it's, it's inaccurate, I look terrible. And so does the vendor. Right, so it's like we need to create, like, work together to create
0: a real business case for this solution. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's like a bad buyer's journey, right? Totally, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah.
2: And then if you get into the enterprise space, you also have to include legal, and you got to get all the terms of service checked off, and all the contract information signed off on. So there's a lot that goes into, especially on the enterprise side.
0: And how and how hard or difficult a company makes it to get through legal. Is is a pretty big cause of slippage, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Like, obviously, I'm a little closer to that than a lot of people since, (laughs) you know, my my background Mm -hmm. in law. But like, procurement can be so slow. Like, it can be just terrible. And and if that's causing problems, or you're not getting procurement started early enough in the process, like that's purely dysfunction in your buyer's experience, like your sales process, right? Um, super, Super problematic. So. Um, there's a lot of reasons. I think I think this is actually super helpful, like sort of talking about from the buyer's version, you know, like, here's reasons I would slip. Here's reasons I just totally kick the can down the road, which, by the way, like, when somebody slips, and somebody says, hey, you know what, maybe we'll revisit that in two months. What they're saying is I have a problem. And I've identified that I think you can solve that problem. But I'm not confident enough that you can solve that problem. And I'm not confident that you you haven't Convinced me, you understand it and can solve it in a way that's enough, good enough for me to have urgency to to go solve this thing right away. Right? Hmm. Um,
2: I would almost look at they haven't joined the team enough. You haven't became a team on my team. You are just still on that other team trying to figure out how to join us up.
0: Yeah, totally. You are not invested in this the way that I am, and so it's easy for me to kick it down the road. Totally. Um, So, so the first thing I would do. You know, and as from an ops standpoint, if I got bad slippage and this is happening, and like this is super helpful, slip reasons. Like if if you're pushing mm-hmm. a deal, changing the date, track that information. Why is this Hold happening? It. It's it's <laughs> the same as loss reasons, right? Like you mm-hmm. should be tracking this. Like okay, anytime you know, put in validation rules, set up pick lists that require people to do this. Iterate what those fields are and track what's happening. What that's going to allow you to do is then say, great here's all of our slip reasons, here's who's experiencing them the most, and what you're going to inevitably find is that some reps aren't slipping deals. Like, there's going to be a handful of reps that are just like, I say this is going to close this quarter, it's going to close this quarter. And there's going to be a handful of reps where, oh my god, nothing they've ever committed has closed, (laughs) and it's just... and, And like, that's just the reality, but that's an opportunity to go analyze what the reps that aren't slipping are doing differently, and then scale that across your team, right? And, and, and that can be sale enablement stuff. Go ahead.
2: And maybe that's just part of it, and you have to adjust your forecasting to account for that and just benchmark that's your slippage rate. Maybe yeah. maybe you can't get past that slippage rate.
1: No, I, that's exactly it. Like You're going to have slippage. It's inevitable. Totally. You have to build totally. that into your forecasting model so that you're not... Screwing yourself when you're forecasting. A thousand percent,
0: (laughs) yeah. Like this, a thousand percent informs your forecasting. It has to, right? Exactly. Change your forecasting. Train on forecasting too, because if your reps are all committing stuff that's not doing it, like maybe there's some training on forecasting that needs to happen. There's enablement around the deal process, because obviously we've we've talked about the reasons we slip, and almost all of them are related to buyer's experience on, on our side. And so that's sales training and enablement that's super, super important. And what you would do is find the rep that's not experiencing it, take what he's doing, and train the whole rest of the team on how to do it differently, right? Super, super valuable. Um, and then there's other things you can do across the top of this, right? Like if I'm losing a ton of pipeline because like I'm slipping deals, slipping deals, slipping deals, work with your marketing team, get marketing pipeline coverage, have them run ads, run campaigns against your current pipeline to help identify other advocates, to create urgency, to, to make your company a partner to this other company, right? Like those things will help. They will move the needle to fixing this problem. And, and then set KPIs around it. Like actually have slippage goals, right? Like not only use the, the slippage that you've had in the past in your forecasting, but then have goals of improving it or goals of k- maintaining where it's at at least, but actually have KPIs and track to them as a business.
2: You know, one metric to this that I don't think is measured anywhere that probably should be, but it would be difficult to get after. On the buyer side, I've always experienced the lower amount of tenure somebody has at the company, the harder it's going to be for them Mm. to sell a tool and at the company. So if you understand that this guy's been here 10 years versus six months, that 10 year guy is going to have a lot easier time getting things procured, getting RFPs figured out, knowing who to contact within the company to get it sold. Whereas the guy that's been there six months is going to have a very uphill battle getting all that figured out for the first time.
0: Totally. That's such a great point. And it's also company to company variance, right? So like at Ring DNA, we sell mostly to you know sales and ops leaders and sales leaders particularly have an average 10 year of like 17 months. So like it's it's actually very rare to find like a VP of sales has been at that business for 10 years as the VP of sales is not a thing that is frequently happening. But If you're at a company where it's like finance, maybe it's totally different. And so it's different to your business and definitely a thing that I think would be really interesting to pull. I don't know how you would do it, but it would be really interesting (laughs) to pull. (laughs) I'd love love to see that data. If somebody has it, anybody listening knows how to do this. Let's do it. Let's figure it out. (laughs) Um, And then there's one other thing that I would do, by the way, if I have a ton of slippage, and this is actually super important, is remove lazy slippage. And, And what I mean by that is Every quarter, at the end of the quarter, in the final ten days, your sales reps are going to go into Salesforce and just start moving everything into the next quarter. (laughs) Like, like it's just because it's it's the reality is they probably should have done it over the past three months, but they just haven't because they've been working deals, they've been doing other things, and that's just lazy slippage. And it means I have a spike in slippage month of like month three of every quarter, right? And the way you remove that is just share the data early, share it often, enforce a clean pipeline, don't let deals sit. Like as an ops team, right? Like communicate this very clearly to the team and if you start to see that happening then then you need to share data more frequently you need to set better expectations around that because it's it's skewing your metrics frankly like it's just not helpful um, and and if I'm a sales rep if I'm doing something like slips re, slip reasons and I have to go move 20 deals into the next quarter I'm just like batch updating slip reason to like one standard thing and that data is ruined forever then too <laughs> so it's just ruining everything so it's super important to keep that hygienic
1: right, I, I also think you have to make sure you're not incentivizing reps to, to keep slipping deals, right? Instead of like mm-hmm. closing them out. Because I mean, I've, I've been in situations where a rep is incentivized not to close out deals. Mm. Um, yeah. So all, all they keep doing is that, that same account keeps getting pushed and keeps getting yeah. pushed and keeps getting pushed. Yeah.
0: Constant and it's like pipeline. Well, right, exactly.
2: <laughs>
0: so but, it's, like, but it, it, it's a perfect segue into our next metric, which is conversion rate instead of win rate. Because win rate is exactly what you're saying. Win rate is rewarding, right. not close, losting deals. Like, <laughs> does, any, does any which which I love that because yeah, totally. Like, just oh great, I have five x pipeline. Like, cool, but that one deal has slipped seven times. Like, we right. don't really understand why it's still in there. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, so which, first way, pay
1: attention to yeah, to are the same deals. Continuing to slip. Yeah, or is it the same which, rep? Or you know, which
0: whatever. which which is actually a thing. Uh, I'm gonna, Jonathan, if you want to make an Asana card, we should figure out how to track how many times the deal has slipped quarter over quarter. So like, Ooh. every time it pushes to a new quarter, that's a slip. Add one on, right? Like if you could mm-hmm. if you could go into your pipeline and see, hey, here's the deals that have slipped 18 times, and we could just strip them out. Because then, like, what, what's that telling me is one of, one of two things is true, right? I'm either, I'm either have a really messy pipeline with a bunch of deals that should be closed lost or we're never qualified, or I've got reps working a ton of deals that are probably never going to close, and that's a whole lot of wasted time. And there's probably some in between on all of that, but it'd be great to identify that and figure out how to fix it, right?
2: Yeah, I am noting that now. <laughs> Sometimes we learn as we go. I love this. Right. This is
0: super, super interesting conversation. Actually, slip. I knew slippage was going to be such a weird topic, but I love, I love it. Okay, so I think we've talked a little bit about conversion rate in the past. I want to talk about it a little bit more today. Um, I'm going to open this one up for a definition. Who wants Who wants that conversion rate definition? Uh, you go for it, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, conversion rate would just be the amount that's getting converted. Boom. Why, 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 <laughs> why, why I let Jonathan go first is <laughs> like everyone <laughs> defines it differently. Like,
1: right? Like, everyone defines it differently.
0: It, it, that's kind I of mean, what drives me crazy yeah. about
1: conversion uh, benchmarks, too.
0: True. yeah it's it's true but I, i'm talking about pipeline conversion rate so what i'm saying is uh, i'm rubbing my temple right now because jonathan <laughs> <it's> just, <laughs> there's this spot right here on the side of my head that's the just
2: it's the jonathan uh, spot the jonathan. sometimes
0: sometimes i get a reef tank photo and i just have to like put a little pressure on it um the uh, pipeline conversion percentage is the ratio, I have it defined as the ratio of business close within a given period of time versus the open pipeline measured at the start of that same period of time. Right? That's what which I said. Is, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and it's different than win rate because what you've done is you say, hey, like I had $2 million in pipeline at the start of this quarter and I closed $400,000, which means I've, I have a pipeline conversion rate of 20%. Good, good pipeline conversion rate by the way, twenty percent. Great, good for you. High five. <laughs> um, it's but it's different than win rate in that it doesn't discount deals for slipping. But to back to Brandon's point from before and why that it was a nice segue is you don't want to reward slipping. And a lot of businesses look at win rate and say like, ah, this rep has a great win rate. And win rate is typically measured as. The amount of closed one deals over a given period of time divided by the amount of closed one plus closed loss deals over a given period of time. So you can have a great win rate if you never closed loss a deal. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. You just slip everything over and over and over. And reps know this. Reps are not dumb. Like, I know people are like, yeah, like whatever. Like, they'll be honest. No, they won't. They just won't. Like, it's fine. Like, but but like, and I wouldn't either. Like, if I was being held accountable to a win rate percentage, of course I'm gonna keep deals open longer than I should.
2: Like yeah, it I'm it doesn't be make damn any sure sense. i that, sure that deal is yeah, cool.
0: Like that guy better have sent me a middle finger emoji. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, that thing's staying open, right? Like, like, <laughs> we're, we're on a text basis. It's
2: good. <laughs> He'll get over it. Yeah, we're, we're friends. <laughs>
0: So, so, but I love conversion rate because it doesn't get rid of those things. It accounts for slippage. It accounts for loss rate, right? It's actually just purely like it sets expectations around if I have this amount of pipeline at the start of this quarter, I should expect that I, this is the amount that I will close. And you can look at it quarter over quarter over quarter, right? And like actually set that standard. It's actually a very good projection metric to start to predict like what's going to close in the future for your business. Um, better better in a lot of ways. It's a simple way to forecast. So I think of it as a fundamental metric. And this is going to be a really broad one because there's 400 things, but we're going to have to keep it very fast. Bad conversion rate. My bad. My pipeline conversion is like 3%. What am I doing? What do I do next?
2: Hmm. Yeah, there's there's a few things. So Want to start? Not- Want to list them? <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, I think it all starts with qualification. Are you actually qualifying the right deals early on? Or are you opening up deals that should be open? Because if, if you're not converting at that rate, then... Something's going wrong where you're probably opening deals that aren't ready to be open yet. So that's the first thing I would look at.
0: Yeah, it's totally fair. Like, am I we're basically like looking at where is my where in my deal process? Am I getting stuck? Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What's well, so, like is, is that
1: pipeline actually qualified pipeline?
0: Which, which is, is a good question, right? Well, w- yeah. Which
1: a, a lot of companies define pipeline differently, right? I was talking to a buddy of mine who uh, their their company defines pipeline as soon as a meeting is set. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The AE doesn't even have to take it. As soon as the meeting is set, that's pipeline. That's different than uh, companies in the past where I've worked at. It's like the AE actually has to have that. You have to meet all the criteria. And then they still get to decide whether they flip it or not. That is yeah. very different, which is kind mm-hmm. of why, like, going back to what I was saying earlier, I, like, conversion rate has to be clearly defined in the beginning and why I don't like people benchmarking themselves against other companies because you don't know if that company defines pipeline
0: the same way you do. Yeah, totally, totally fair. Point. And 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 the way you're looking at pipeline is also super important because of where you're at as a business. So so what I would use as an example there, and, and this is just a thing for anybody that's scaling rapidly, if you're relatively flat as a business and you're just sort of continuing performance, This is a really easy metric to look at, right? Like I was at 20% last quarter, I want to be at 20% this quarter. If I'm scaling rapidly and I'm doubling my marketing budget and I'm doubling my pipeline and I'm doubling my sales team like quarter over quarter as fast as I can, your pipeline conversion percentage is going to drop because what's going to happen is the month before the new quarter, you're going to add $4 million in pipeline. And it has no chance of actually closing in the next quarter, but it's factored into that equation, right? So what you've got is a much higher... Total pipeline, but it's all it's all new deals. It's all young stuff. It doesn't actually like have a chance of closing. So so you need to figure out how to account for that, or at least just adjust your goals accordingly, right? Like change your definition of of how you do this and target this to account for those outlier things. Um, Super important. Yeah, I think that's that's totally the first place to start is make sure the pipeline is actually pipeline. Like this this thing actually adds up for me, right? I still think it's a really good metric, but once you've sort of like cleaned that piece up. Then, then what do I do so like great I've cleaned up it's all pipeline I've done all this I'm really confident in these numbers my pipeline conversion is still not where I want it to be like what what would I do next to fix that problem
2: And I would also add like analyze how your demo process is going like or get some feedback when you're done with the demo get some feedback did did I present everything in a way that made you feel like you're confident in buying this product was were there things missing when during the demo that you would have liked to see? That's invaluable and that can give you some insight into what you didn't cover in the demo. And then in the future, you'll know, okay, I need to do better on the next one.
0: It's totally fair. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it goes back to like the deal process, right? Like where, where Mm -hmm. am I, where am I falling off in my deal cycle? That's, that's causing me problems. So and and thinking back to when I was a rep, um
1: one one particular instance where everyone's conversions dropped was actually we 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 brought in a a trainer from Spin Cell in Huthwaite, um, mm. and we actually changed the way we have conversations, right? So we did a whole week intensive where everyone sat down with the trainer, went through the workbooks, went through all of the books, went through everything. And then for like it must have been like two months. Everyone was trying to figure out how to actually implement spin selling and mm-hmm. everyone's conversion rates just dropped. Right. <laughs> and and it's, it's something that like management never even took into account that it's, it was going to be such a massive change. So if you're thinking about changing anything like you know, your, qualification process or just like um, any, any sales frameworks that you have, you might want to think about how that might affect your seller's ability to actually close deals.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't take change in anything you do in business lightly, because yeah. it can have huge <laughs> impact. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course it is, right? And that's actually usually
0: the goal: have a huge impact, like, right? Like, well, like, you not in the trying right to like direction. not not change things and then like have positive impacts, but
1: um. yeah. Hey, hey, eventually, our, our closing rates went back up, like above where they used to be, because it, it was mm-hmm. a much better process than what we had in place before, and it was it was a phenomenal training. I'm a big fan of spin selling because of it. Um, but there there was that period where you know, right up front, it's going to cost you a little bit.
2: Give me uh, an yeah. el- give me an elevator pitch of what spin selling is. I don't think I've heard of that before.
1: Oh, uh, spin selling is it's just one of those methodologies uh, developed probably like in the '80s by a company called Huthwaite. Um and a guy named Neil Rackham actually wrote the book on it. But it's uh, situation problem implication need payoff, uh, and basically you're going through those those four acronyms as you are um, as you are selling that deal and. Yeah, and, and the, the biggest change for us was just like really the implication part where it is really really digging deep into uh like it's almost asking why five times, right? It's like, okay, what yeah. what implication does that have? All right, yeah. like let's go one level deeper. Why, layered, layered, why does layered that
0: questioning matter to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Try, trying to actually truly understand the pain points and the, the actual cause and the actual impacts rather than just like high level. Here's the problem. And then
1: moving on, right? Exactly, <laughs>
0: yeah. and taking yeah. that at face value
1: because we all know that the problem that they have right in front of them, or the one that they they state, isn't the actual
0: yeah. underlying problem,
1: right? Yeah. You have to totally. d- dig deeper. Totally,
0: um, and and so so like to that end, like what I would do if I found if I was looking at it and like my pipeline conversion rate is bad, like it's it's a great diagnostic metric to say great we're not converting enough of our pipeline to close one quarter over quarter. That's a huge fundamental problem for my business, right? But that alone doesn't like point me where to solve. It says like yeah, go go do training and enablement for the sales team, super important. Yes, absolutely you should do that. Um, what what I would actually do first after you know cleaning up the pipeline, making sure that's all right, is is I would segment out the pipeline conversion data. So. Like, I need to know what my pipeline is for SMB versus commercial versus mid-market versus enterprise. Deal sizes as a segment, uh, different ages of deals, right? Like am I converting deals with a certain age better than ones without? Uh, Lead sources. I'd like to see pipeline conversion by lead source, right? Like I would start to break it out into different buckets because that's going to let me actually identify problems that I can solve. So say I have a ton of pipeline from this certain infographic, but none of it ever closes, yeah, like like well, we, we we gotta like take down that infographic or change the infographic or train the sales team better on the the problem that infographic highlights. Like that's gonna help me actually pinpoint things that I can have an immediate impact and solve, and help me identify back to your point, what problems we aren't solving well enough to create urgency for buyers. Right, like. If if there's a bunch of problems being identified by a whole slew of different lead sources or for a specific segment or industry, and we're not converting those deals, then we're not solving that problem well enough as a product or as a sales team. It's just not happening or as a marketing team. And that's an easy thing for us to go train and resolve. But I, I need to segment it all into these narrow buckets to then identify how I can help each team improve. And that can be additional marketing resources, it be tweaking marketing resources, it be training on sales and enablement, it can be increasing conversion on the SDR side, it can be better discovery, it can be better demos, it can be better deal desk. All of those things make a 2% increase across the board in every one of those and suddenly my conversion rate is better again. Right? Totally. Um, mm-hmm. But the the fundamental thing is it's a great diagnostic metric, but I need to break it down to like 60 different buckets in order to figure out what I want to do best. Right? Exactly.
1: I feel like we, we go back to this a lot. Because one of the things I was going to say, too, is like maybe something in your market has changed. And as a product marketer, you know, hmm. I, I, I want to be as close to that as possible. So yeah. if for whatever reason that, you know, we keep losing deals in healthcare. Maybe something changed there where I'm actually not able to sell effectively into healthcare, or maybe it's a specific geo or anything like that. Yeah. So it's like that. That that's why part of that that like product marketing, that like market intelligence, uh, really is going to come into play there.
0: Totally. And like some things that you would never really know about otherwise. Right. So like maybe we're looking at it geographically and I look at it and go, hey, you know what? Our conversion pipeline conversion rate on deals in Florida is zero percent because Florida passed this crazy new law that prevents them from using our product. By the way, product marketing, like let's stop marketing in Florida. (laughs) There's not a thing we can do here. Let's fix this by like. Let's stop wasting time and money, right? And, and it helps me identify that there's gaps like that, but then I need to get that narrow data, which is kind of the theme of all these, right. is, is a great way to identify problems. And then here's seven more things you need to go look at to figure out what problems to actually solve. And that's, that's RevOps 201. Welcome, everybody. Exactly. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> You've made it this you, far. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you did it. Um, cool. Any other last thoughts on that before I segue into this week on LinkedIn?
1: No, I, I was I wanted to get Jonathan fired up to for maybe he drops an F bomb or something. But maybe we'll maybe we'll work <laughs> his, on that next time. His mom,
0: his mom scolded him for swearing on the podcast. Oh, that's right. So, so right. He okay. like, Probably won't, and, won't get that. And, and, and our audience might think that I'm actually joking and making fun of him. I'm not. I'm actually not. His, his mom actually scolded him for swearing on the podcast. Jonathan, you turned forty in a couple of years. I just want to point that out. Um,
1: <laughs> Man, I, I wish my mom, I tried to get my mom to listen. She she doesn't
0: give a shit. <laughs> Your mom loves uh, you, Jonathan. Your mom yeah, loves she you. Does. She does. She does. She does not love you when you swear, though. So, no, she doesn't uh, like swearing. <laughs> 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 oh, I hope she listens to this episode and just calls you right away angrily. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so this week on LinkedIn, we'll keep this one nice and brief. I know we've gone a little long today. So um David asks the question, which I think is a really interesting question, and and just looking for a couple of tips, I think. Um, They're trying to undergo a cultural shift at his business. He's in revenue operations, where they're trying to get the AEs and sales managers to use the CRM. What? (laughs) Why Why would they do that? No. (laughs) Well, yeah. David, first got to ask yourself, is this the right thing? (laughs) Are you at the right company? (laughs) But. A problem I think we've all faced. Probably, I think everybody listening to this probably has faced this. Like, people don't use the CRM, and that's yeah. a huge problem. What would be like two things you would say? Like, here's here's where I would start in getting people to use my CRM.
2: Oh man, that's a it's a hard cultural shift. I've I've been at companies where they just use spreadsheets and they they'll just export out of the CRM and they just work out of their Excel sheet with phone numbers on it, and it is a disaster. So you you really have to show them kind of the pain of not having the data readily available and kind of show them the big, I I think they don't see the big picture too sometimes. They don't see that there's revenue operations analyzing pipeline and analyzing forecasting and all that. So the more data they're putting outside of Salesforce, the more that gets lost and the less that can get analyzed and it just creates a mess for everybody involved. So I I think that's where I'd kind of start is just education and training.
1: Yeah. What why does not putting that in CRM affect you? Like how does that actually affect you as a rep? Like a lot of times they don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, sure. they totally don't know. They don't know right? the yeah. downstream effects and, yeah. and and how that actually comes
0: back around to to and hurt or help them. I was gonna say, I think I think the biggest thing on that is I think training and enablement is super important. I think typically the way ops approaches that is to say like, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. And actually the best way to do it is like if you put this data in Salesforce, like I can have our marketing team like run marketing ads against this business exactly. that you're working with. If, like I can like here's all the ways we can help you be better, right? Like I can have the implementation team queued up and ready to do this as soon as you close the deal. Like all of this is gonna help you be better. And help you make more money because if you tell a rep they're going to make more money, exactly. they will do it. Yep. They will always do it.
2: And um, another good a good point to run by them is if there's no activity history on a lead that you've been working on your Excel sheet, somebody else can come and grab it and steal a yeah. deal right from under you. So, so. somebody
0: might give that person the call right after you did because it's not logged anywhere, right? Yep. Yeah, and and setting that sort of level of like KPI and expectation super super important. The other thing that I would add, and then I think we can stop, we don't have to beat this dead horse. I'm gonna actually shoot David like a huge response. Cause this is a lot of things I think that we could put <laughs> yeah. together on this. Um, but, but I'm sorry it, David. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> empower your, I actually, I actually sent him my calendar link and asked him to grab 45 minutes. Cause I think yeah. this is like, like, like legitimately, cause I think this is a long conversation. Um, but, um, Empower your sales reps to use your CRM in a way that's super easy, right? And and like that's a philosophical goal of our product at RingDNA. So so obviously we we all sort of align to that. But I need to make it as easy as possible for my reps to use my CRM. I need to mm-hmm. make it so that they can just like in their casual workflow be dumping data into the into the CRM and like you, a dialer that automatically logs automatically logging emails using like Salesforce Inbox. Super super important, right? Empowering that to happen in a way that actually just takes what your reps are already doing and makes sure that ends up in Salesforce is a really easy step to get a lot of this data. Um, obviously, the the trick to that is is budget sometimes, but it's still, mm-hmm. what I would recommend if you want a cultural shift, got to power it, got to make it easy with foundational things. Right, and,
1: and th- there are there are tools out there that actually make updating very specific fields in CRM Salesforce specifically really easy, like you know, People Glass by People AI. Uh, we'll put all of the required fields or all the fields that you really want that a a sales rep will actually use uh, right Mm. there in one pane of glass. So you don't have to click around, search on the page, where to find it, like all of that in one spot,
0: easy for you to update. Mm -hmm. Totally. And the Ringing dialer logs the fields directly into Salesforce as soon as you end the call. Just automatically logs them in, right? Like that's it reps don't even have to think about it. I don't, they don't even have to have Salesforce open. They're just calling people and like it just logs the data and it's, perfect. That's what I want. Like that's what my reps want. Right. I don't have to tell them to log activities, they're logging them.
2: I think the other part of is just managers. Like the managers need to enforce it with their reps and not only for the fact that they need to do that for the obvious reasons of analyzing data, but also so that they can keep track of how their reps are performing. How many dials are they making? How many how many conversions are they doing? They're not gonna be able to see that if you're working out on an Excel sheet. Yeah, and if you're using
0: if you're using your CRM as a system of record to hold managers accountable as well, and also enable Mm -hmm. them, and showing them that, showing them that again, education and training for managers is a whole different thing about why it's important. But yeah, totally equally important. Totally agree. Um, Cool. All right. Well, that's that's a well probably part one. There's probably like 400 other (laughs) AE metrics we have to go into, but that's part one. Um, Super. Everybody who's listening. Give us a five-star review. Send us your questions. Follow us all on LinkedIn. Give us a shout-out. Like David, I have 45 minutes with you next week. We're going to talk about this in depth, and I'm going to probably be a shoulder for you to cry on by that point because this sounds pretty (laughs) terrible. I'm looking forward to it anyways. But uh, thanks, guys, and uh, we'll see everybody next week. All right, David, if you're looking for a new job or hiring.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See you guys. See ya.